want to make you aware that we're going to deal with a little bit of a tough topic today. Sometimes our topics are difficult simply because the scriptures were written within a cultural context. Uh, over 2,000 years ago, we live in the 21st century today, there's some cultural distinctions between um, what we read in scripture and where we find ourselves living today. In fact, some of what I'm going to uh, say today and suggest to us is going to actually support some of you skeptics here. So like if you're skeptical, you're probably going to love this because, well, I might not look all that good and it might make your case with a friend. So enjoy. Uh, others of you, uh, you've been hurt maybe in some toxic relationships and some of what I might say today is going to bring up some of those old feelings and I want you to know that we care about that here at City Church. We have a lot of programs to help you deal with things that have happened to you. And so I just want you to know we're aware of that. You don't have to agree with what I'm going to say. There's no weekend you ever have to agree with what I say. But I hope that you'll stay open-minded and uh, give this a chance all the way through to the end. So a few weeks ago, I was... Uh, Doing a CrossFit workout, we were doing push presses. That's where you get this bar. I had about, oh, I don't know, 65 pounds on it, not very much at all. I do girl weight. Uh, I'm old now, so I can do that. And you just, all you do is you like push the bar over your head and push your head through. And you know, I've been doing CrossFit for six years, and so it's like easy move. I'm not even thinking about it. Well, I was a little surprised, had my back to a lot of the rest of the class, you know, I'm really concentrating. All of a sudden, a fellow CrossFitter came up and kind of surprised me, you know, out of nowhere. And I just want to let you know, completely uninvited, and they came to correct my form. <laughs> now, the worst part of all of this is that she was right. And uh, I needed the correction, I needed a little help, it was good for me, and this happened a few weeks ago, so, you know, I can, I can, I'm okay with it now, but at the moment, it felt really bossy. I don't know about you, I hate to be boss, especially when I didn't invite you to boss me. I do not like to be told what to do. Anyone else? Yes. There is something in our nature that recoils against this kind of thing. We all want to feel like we have things together. We want to be independent. It validates us as grown, capable, mature individuals. This is the child who rides their bicycle without training wheels for the first time. It's your daughter or son when they're 16 and they get their license and they you know, post on Facebook that they got it. Or it's the college grad who maybe you graduated in four years, maybe it took you a little bit longer, but you got through, right? And you like, you're succeeded at that. Or it's the mother who births her first child. Or it's that first promotion at work. Or maybe you finally you know, checked off one of your bucket list goals. Events like these give us a sense of self-worth. They make us feel good about ourselves. Now, of course, there are, all, there are times when all of us ask for advice. Like whenever there's something wrong with you and you go see your doctor, you want your doctor to have an opinion of what's wrong with you and to tell you what's wrong with you. Or you go to your mechanic and there's something wrong with your car. You want them to have an opinion of what's wrong with your vehicle. Or maybe you 
uh, you know, you take lessons. When you take lessons, you expect someone else to tell you what to do, or maybe just asking a friend for advice. But when someone comes uninvited and dictates to you and directs to you how things are going to go, none of us like that because it makes us feel inferior, uh, second class. It communicates uh, unintentionally maybe that we are somehow inferior and that other person is superior to us. Maybe the critique was too sharp or maybe it came from your mom right? It's like, mom, I'm 30. I'm 40. I'm 50. I'm 60. You know, leave me alone. I got it figured out. Or maybe it came worse from your wife or your husband. You asked him if, if he thought it made you look fat and he, what? He told the truth. <laughs> None of us like it. It hurts. So I want to ask an important question today. Do any of us have it so together that we don't need help? Are any of us good enough to go it alone? Can any of us reach our potential if we refuse to allow others to speak into our lives? You know, this is where we are in our magnum opus series. And last week we saw five things that the Apostle Paul told us that we need to do if we want to reach our full potential. God has created you and me as a masterpiece. We are his greatest work. That's what we're teaching through the book of Ephesians this summer. And that means that your life holds tremendous potential. But there's some things you have to do because like we said last week, what you do determines who you become. But when Paul finished with those five things we need to do in chapters four and five, then he focused, for over 22 verses, he focused on three relationships that are crucial to every one of us if we are going to reach our full potential. And so today, I want us to look at three relationships Paul talked about. Husbands and wives, children and parents, Slaves and masters, or we're going to just call it employers, employees, and we'll talk about that in a second. And I want us to see the one point. I think there is one point that the Apostle Paul is stressing. And I just want to tell you, it may be a point that you don't like. All right, let's start. Here's what he said. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ. Now let's pause right here because this is our first cultural clash, right? Paul, uh, one of the questions that you would naturally, I mean, the first word on the board, slaves, you would naturally ask, is the Bible condoning slavery? No, it is not. But you need to know that the apostle Paul preached the gospel and he started churches all in the Roman empire that had many slaves in it. The culture still embraced slavery at that point. In fact, we know that in some of the major cities, well over 50% of the population were slaves at that time. And so the Apostle Paul, for many, many slaves and many of their masters, actually, when they heard the gospel, became believers, and they began to follow Christ. And so Paul is telling them how to relate to one another. And it has something to do with this whole principle this point that he wanted to make. And so it's not condoning slavery. Second verse says this, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. 
Now, we've highlighted the fact that in these two verses, Paul repeats the same word, obey. And you know what that word means. It simply means to listen and do what the other person tells you to do. It's what I had to decide if I was going to do with my CrossFit colleague on that day. And that's not that hard, honestly, for us to sort of say, okay, yeah, and most of us would probably say children ought to obey their parents. It's not that hard. It's a little bit hard to obey, but it's not that hard. It's not near as hard as this next verse. I didn't say it. (laughs) Wives, (coughs) submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Okay, now we're down to the hard stuff. See, if you're a skeptic, you should say, see, I told you I was right. Witty, what rock did you just crawl out from? Are you the leader of a cult? You might be asking questions like that right now. I get it. But there's something I want to clarify. When you put all three of these verses together, it's this. Allowing another person to speak into your life is what the Bible calls submission. And let's be honest. Almost none of us like it. Because when we hear this word, when we read this word, When we go to the trouble to highlight this word, we immediately think of superiority, inferiority. We think submission is demeaning. We think it affects our identity. So you're saying that he's better than I am. So you're saying that she is more important than me. We recoil against it. But I wanna suggest to us that when we think that way and when we feel that way, we have not yet grasped the central idea of this whole magnum opus series, that we are created in the image of God, we're redeemed at the price of his son, we are his greatest work. The apostle Paul wrote that, he said that, and yet later he can tell us to submit and let others speak into our lives. And so it is possible for you and me to be a masterpiece and still submit. Submission has nothing to do about dumbing down our identity. What submission does is it helps us achieve our full potential. Well, now I can get that in my head, but in my heart, I still don't like it. So why should I do it? Let's take a little time to look at that. The word submit comes from the Greek word hupotasso, and it's a compound word. It's made up of hupo, the uh, preposition hupo, and the verb tasso. Hupo means under. Hupo, it means under, and tasso means to stand. Kind of an interesting word. So the word submit literally means to stand under. So keep that in mind. Let me illustrate it this way. Some of you guys know, most of you know probably by now, Linda and I have a little farm a couple hours northwest of town here, and the other day, we had our first calf. We became calf grandparents, right? That's the only little picture I got of him, but it was awesome. I gotta tell you, when I, when I realized what happened, my heart kinda skipped a beat, and y'all, my heart doesn't skip beats very often. 
well, it did skip a beat this last week when we became grandparents for the second time. Yay, Riley! Riley Harrison Smith. Woo! We were so excited about the birth of our second grandson and our calf. Isn't it odd how grandparents always manage to show a picture of their grandkids? Well, that's how we felt. So to our horror, it, it was to our horror when we saw, it's like the mother's just walking away from its calf. We had seen coyotes hanging around already. And so I was concerned that the calf wouldn't even make it through the night. Next morning, get up, still alive. But the mother has completely abandoned its calf. And so I had to kind of, you know, chase her back into the same pasture with it, close the gate so that hopefully she would realize how important it was for her to mother her calf. Because you see, a calf needs a mother to stand over it so that it can stand under it. Standing under is what the word submit means. This is not a bad thing. This is how that calf gets its food. It's how it gets protection. It's how it gets nurtured. Without this, the calf can't survive, much less thrive. And this is a picture of what submission is all about, y'all. You and I cannot flourish. We cannot become what God has designed us to become. We can't thrive apart from submission. Now, I know, though, having said that and illustrated it to you, you and I still carry all this bad residue about the idea of submission. And so I want to set some biblical parameters on it from the meaning of the word itself. First of all, I want to say to us that submission does not mean laying down like a doormat under someone else. It doesn't mean that. The word means to stand under. And so it's important for us to realize that the very meaning of the word itself, forget our cultural context today, the very meaning of the word itself is not a demeaning word. You know how some words have a bad sound to us? Like when we hear them, they just feel bad to us. Even if the word isn't bad, our context makes it feel bad. That's what submit or submission does for us. But in and of itself, it's not a demeaning term. Secondly, submission does not imply that women are inferior to men or that men are better than women. In fact, let's just go ahead and later rest the idea that men are inferior to women or women are inferior to men. This conversation, we're having it in our society today in social media, it's everywhere. Let's just lay it to rest for us. We are all masterpieces. There are no superior, inferior person in the way God views us. So when we use the word submission, we are not referring to inferiority, superiority. And there's a third thing you need to know about this word submit in this verse that we read. It's just like the word redeeming last week. Some of you will remember this. It's in the middle voice in Greek, which means it's a choice. It's a choice that only you can make. Submission is a choice to make. It is not to be forced. And that means that submission has nothing to do with abuse of any kind. We are not suggesting that anyone should live in an abusive situation. So when we talk about this today, that's not what we're talking about. It is not what we're suggesting. 
So why is it so important for you and me to submit and allow others to speak into our lives? Well, it really has something to do with what we said last week. And that is we recognize that none of us can reach our potential alone. None of us can flourish alone. None of us become great in isolation. None of us thrive single-handedly. None of us uh, succeed unassisted. You cannot become the masterpiece that God intended you to be independently of everyone else. We need community. We need one another. And so to submit is to recognize that I need help. And that can be hard for some of us to do. This is the reason that Paul emphasized these three relationships, husbands, wives, children, parents, employers, employees. These three relationships do more to shape your life than any other relationship in your life. If you think about it, if you're married and if you're employed full-time and if you have children, you spend on average at least 15 hours of your day. That's assuming you sleep eight and you take an hour just to do something, you know, work out, something just for yourself all by yourself. You're spending 15 hours of your day with these three relationships and so they have a huge impact on us. And y'all, there's a, there's a principle in here that it's crucial that we get. We all love independence. I love it, I promise you, as much as you do. We're Americans, we value our independence. But it, dependence in these relationships is what leads to you and me flourishing. And that means that dependence paves the way to your potential. Dependence paves the way to your potential. Y'all, this is how life works. We know this. No child flourishes alone. No child reach their, reaches their potential alone. You didn't conceive yourself. You didn't birth yourself. You didn't, uh, you didn't feed yourself. You didn't change your own dirty diapers. Someone else housed you, protected you, got medical attention for you, educated you. In other words, someone stood over you so that you could stand under them until you could stand on your own. You didn't marry to live independently. That's not why you got married. You thought sharing a bedroom, a bathroom, bank accounts, going on vacations together, you thought all of this would be better. If you don't think those things would be better and you're single, you might ought not to get married. Maybe you're not ready for this thing called marriage yet. We didn't get married to live independently of each other. And there's plenty of research to show that one of the keys to flourishing at work is working in a great culture that is, is created by a fantastic boss. And so the refusal to submit is like saying, I don't need you. I don't need anyone. I can do this myself. Y'all, that is no more true for us than it was true for that little calf that was born. It's no more true for us than it's true of Riley. That isn't how life works. We all need help. God designed us for dependence. 
And that's why whenever a child grows up in a home without their, without their parents, it's, it's hard on that child. They're disadvantaged. That's why when a marriage is headed toward divorce, it's devastating for that couple because they need to connect, but they can't. That's why going to work every day, like some of you do in a very toxic environment, that's a hard job to keep going to day after day after day. That's why we all want good friends. We all need good relationships in order to flourish, but good relationships involve submission. And so what does it take? I mean, it's so counterintuitive to us. We have such a block against it. How can you and I get to this place of letting others speak into our lives? Well, submission helps most when it happens in a healthy context. Submission helps most when it happens in a healthy context. Uh, No one likes submitting to a jerk. I mean, if you have to do it, you don't wanna submit to a jerk. No one likes a bossy boss, a harsh husband. No one likes a nagging wife. That's not what we like. We know this. And so the Apostle Paul set the context for us in which submission can take place. And I want us to look. Again, we're gonna read three verses and then I want us to draw one principle from it. First he said, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours, that's a reference to God, is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. And then lastly, husbands, love. Your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and did what? Gave himself for it. And so if we take these three verses and we kind of summarize them, one thing we can say is, is that God doesn't tolerate bullies. He doesn't tolerate bullies. Or to say it a different way, those entrusted to your care have to know that you care. For submission to work, those who are entrusted to your care, those who may choose to stand under you have to know that you care about them. No threats, no bullying, no intimidation. And so I want us to talk about the elephant in the room. I know there is one. It's easy to say submit, but how do you submit whenever your husband is difficult? How do you submit when your dad doesn't love you. Some of you are thinking, Witty, you don't know my husband, you don't know my dad. I do know your husband and dad because many of you come and you tell me about them. I can't tell you how many men I've talked to that have this huge father wound in their life because their dads didn't care for them. I understand and it brings me to a place where I want to rant for a second. And so I'm going to do that since I'm on stage and you're not. Men, I'm calling us out. Many of us are violating this principle of caring for those in our care. Many of us are not standing for those who need us to stand for them. And honestly, men, sometimes we act like idiots. And we do. And I know that. 
I know that because part of my story is that for 20 years, I didn't stand for Linda like I should have. And when I went through PTO, when I went through recovery, I had to make amends to Linda for that. And it was important that I did that. And so guys, I'm calling us out. I want you to love your wife. I want you to ditch the darkness. I want you to stop the cheating. Stop the abuse if you are abusive. Stop the pornography. Stop wasting your family's finances. Stop the drunkenness. Do you know how many children you are scarring when you come home drunk and you fight and you're abusive? You're ruining the next generation, your own children. Stop wasting your family's money. Make sure that your actions and thoughts are good, right, and true. Men, get up every day and give your life away as Christ gave his life away. Give your life away for the woman that you married. You promised. You promised to love her till death parts you. Do it. Put your clothes up. Wash the dirty ones. Cook a meal. Fix her car. Mow the grass. Paint the house. Make her a cup of coffee in the morning. Get up before her and then sit down and listen to her talk. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. And so, man, I want to ask you to do something, and I'm going to shame you. If you will do what I just asked you to do, man, I want you to stand up right now. Stand up for your wives. Get up. Stand up right now. Y'all, this is what we're supposed to be. You can be seated. Thank you for doing that. This is what we're supposed to be. If you have children biologically or because you married and you blended your families together, make sure your stepchildren know that you love them. Make sure that they feel it. Try the phenomenal thing of hugging your child and tell them you're proud of them and that you love them. Well, John, my dad never did that for me. I don't care. Start a new tradition. Be a man. If you're a boss, make sure that the people that are on your team know that you value them, you appreciate them, that you guys are doing this together. And ladies, the last two apply to you as well. Care for those placed in your care. Those entrusted to our care cannot reach their potential if we don't care. And so today, I'm asking us to posture ourselves for permission. If that means allowing others to speak into your life, let them speak into your life and then do what they say. Some of you are wondering, did I do what she said? My CrossFit colleague? I did. It was hard, but I did. I spread my fingers an inch and a half further on either side. (laughs) Care for those entrusted to your care. And here's why. Linda and I had to leave. We had to come back to San Antonio for our day jobs. But all week long, I wondered, man, is that calf going to make it? Is it going to make it? And so, y'all, when I got back the next week, you won't believe it. 
There I was, and it came running around the corner, and it leapt into my arms, and it practically knocked me down, and it began licking me in the face like, oh, Witty, I'm so glad you're my grandfather. <laughs> Sorry. That's not what happened. This week, I found that calf's ravaged remains. 25 yards from where its mother had gone to lay down. You see, as often happens, this cow birthed this calf in one place, but didn't birth the placenta with it. And so she went off to another place to birth the placenta. And of course, the smell of its mother was there. And so since its mother never came and stood over it to nurture it, the calf went in search of someone to take care of it, smelled where its mother had been, and died looking for someone to care. Y'all, no one flourishes alone. Submission is the recognition that we all need help. And so, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you have shown your love for us by sending Jesus to help us. And Lord, I pray that we would imitate him and show that same kind of love. Lord, for those of us, like me, who struggle to let others speak into our lives, I pray that we would allow others to care for us and to help us break the back of our independence just a little bit so that we can be dependent on them. And we pray these things together in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.